You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. This is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. And this week we have Mr. Chris, number two, from Anti-Flag. I know you guys love Anti-Flag just like I do. I have for so many years. It was a blast talking with uh, Chris at the Hawthorne Theater in Portland. And what a great dude. We had so much in common, it was crazy, and, and listening through the story, and you'll hear it in the interview, but we touched on a lot of sad stuff as well as a lot of good stuff, but what a great attitude, and you know he's been through a lot of stuff, and coming out on the other end like that is, is something very admirable, and uh, I absolutely had a blast, and I know you guys are going to have a blast too. This was a great interview uh, with Chris, and what a great new record, American Fall, one of my top favorite, well, top favorite, one of my favorite records of the year. Absolutely. It's in my top five. I listen to it a few times a week. Um, I've always got headphones in at work and, and always have stuff playing. So if it's not a podcast in the last you know month and a half, it's been that record. And just there's so much good stuff on there and there's absolutely not a bad song on the record. So definitely check out American Fall by Anti-Flag. Check them out live on this tour they're on now uh, with Straight From The Path. And just check them out entirely. If you've never heard them before, they have a huge back catalog. And uh, it's hard to believe if you listen to the show that you have not heard Anti-Flag. But just in case, check them out. Um, so let's get some business out of the way, and then we're going to jump into this one because I want you guys to hear all of it on Adobe and on iTunes. So um, like I always say, if you have an interview that cuts off after an hour on Adobe, it's always available on iTunes, uh, the full version uh, always available to you for download. SoundCloud, everywhere podcasts are available. So we are on purepleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We're everywhere podcasts are available. Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, definitely tell a friend about the show. Send them to the website. Get them hooked up with the show. There's a lot of episodes. We've got, uh, I believe, almost 70 episodes. Um, and, I, I mean, that's a huge Huge deal for me because it's a lot of content that's out there in the world now. Uh, a lot of me talking and a lot of uh, questions and a lot of 
comments. So it's cool to look back on all those episodes and kind of sift back through them. Um, and a lot of people write me and say, hey, we discovered the show, you know, this last week. And we've been, you know, on our commute to work listening episode by episode until they get to the end of the whole the whole uh, show. So that's really cool to know, too, that people are going back and listening to old episodes, maybe bands or people they didn't know um, and having that discovery. So um, definitely check out peerpleasurepodcast.com. Um, hit us up on the socials. Uh, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email. Um, and we are sponsored by rockabilia.com. Rockabilia.com, over 500,000 licensed items from your favorite bands. I mean, everything from coffee mugs to slip mats to flags, you know, anything, including T-shirts, but everything else under the sun you can imagine. I mean, you can find some crazy shit on there. And just for listening to the show, you're going to get 15% off your order when you use the code PC Peer Pleasure at checkout. Um, you know, you can't beat that. 15% off, some awesome stuff. It's real deal. It's not knockoffs. It's great quality. And what a great company, rockabilia.com. And they've sponsored this show uh, and have, you know, extended their sponsorship out through the end of February and also sponsored the whole network of Jabberjaw, which this show is on Jabberjaw Media as well. So definitely check them out. Check out Stumptown Coffee, Stumptown Coffee in Portland, Oregon here, uh, also online at stumptowncoffee.com sponsoring the show and doing an absolutely bang-up job of keeping everyone awake and caffeinated and ready to rock. There's a lot of work that goes into putting this show together, and I really appreciate having them on board. So check out rockabilia.com. Check out Stumptown Coffee. Now, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Chris Number 2 from Antiflag. Escaping the American attraction A bait and switch that's gonna throw you with distraction It sounds so good you can't resist the satisfaction When it's all over you'll be crying, I'll be laughing Tick, 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 and down to a disaster. Your insecurity is all the gun and after. All right, Chris, number two. Welcome to the Peer, Peer Pleasure Podcast, my friend. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> um, thanks for coming to the venue early to uh, to do this. It's very kind of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I was telling you earlier, I reached out months ago about, about interviewing you guys because uh, you guys have a special place in my heart. We're all from Alaska, all my guys, and, and uh, bought Die for Your Government at Mammoth Music in Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. Way back. Okay. Way back. We were still in high school. And uh, I have... It was one of those things you bought because of the cover. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you came in right after that. But I bought it because of the cover. Yeah, the cover. <laughs> I had no idea. My parents had just thrown away the chronic and yeah. thrown away uh, Beastie Boys and all this stuff. Or broke them. Like, yeah. well, this will not be in my house. Yeah. And uh, so we'd go to Mammoth Music and we'd just like surf through the bins. And I found like Reagan Youth and all these like just crazy punk records. And then Diefinger was like, holy shit, what is this? <laughs> and for some reason, my folks didn't throw. They just questioned yeah. it. They're like. Yeah. Okay, that's different. Yeah. So what are you against now? That's and really funny. So that was what really got me thinking about other things. Like we listened to the songs, and we were starting bands at that time. Mm -hmm. Our first high school punk band uh, called Nice Guy Eddie, and all of a sudden our songs started getting like dark, and like we, we were pissed <laughs> off, and we didn't know why. We didn't understand it the same yeah, way, you yeah, know. Yeah. But it hit us. It struck a chord with us, and and uh, so that's something that's always well. That's very cool to me, just in the fact that Alaska's somewhere we've never been. And it really hammers home the idea of uh, records 
and their reach and their ability to find people when they need them mm-hmm. is so far out of your control. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, where it's like we've been on every label under the sun, done mm-hmm. tons of the stuff. And somehow the first record, which had the worst distribution in the world, <laughs> finds its way to you. You know, like that's just, yeah, that's very cool to me. Yeah, it makes- it's, 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 I can't believe I found it there either. Like, yeah. And we would go there and literally we'd go to pawn shops and like sift through the CDs, ones that look cool. Yeah. And uh, take them home and you either got some that are good and some that are bad. But, <laughs> but this one like kept in rotation. Yeah. And, uh. It was the, it was that record and the record by the Living End that our buddy told us about. Okay. That was like you got to see this bass player. He stands yeah, on it. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and uh, but yeah, it changed our whole. Like we were into Green Day and stuff like that, like the poppy stuff. And then this just completely opened. A whole yeah, I find that that's a, a comparable conversation that I have uh, with a lot of people in regards to Anti Flag and coming into their life at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's comparable to me too because um, you know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Green Day. Yeah. Um, I saw them. They looked like me. They had pimples on their face. They could barely play. That made sense <laughs> to me. That made me want to do it. And then um, it seemed unfathomable to perform, mm-hmm. but it, it introduced me to the scene. And then yeah. I found after the government, I, there was a, a, a cute girl in, uh, in our school, and she liked punk, mm-hmm. and she was a vegetarian, and she liked anti-flag, and the next day I was vegetarian and liked anti-like too. And, uh, uh, and, you know, we went to see them play and, uh, it was, that was the first time I thought I could do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a thing that I like carry with me personally. Like I want the people that come to our shows, no matter what stage in life they're in to Mm -hmm. feel as if, okay, I can do that. Or if I have something to say, or I will find my medium or my vocation to mm-hmm. get whatever's in me out. You know, yeah. uh, uh, um, how trivial it may seem to some or, or not. You know, so I think that that um, uh, yeah, it's not an uncommon story to hear that someone picked up the record cover because it was cool and then found out, oh, this is a place to direct my frustration and anger because that's exactly what those guys were doing. I've subsequently learned and mm-hmm. what then I was given the ability to do with the band moving forward. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you came into a pretty like hot band. I mean, as far as the the issues they're against, and yeah. and I mean, very political mm-hmm. based band. And you were fairly young when you got in. I mean, yeah, you were really I was 16, young. 17 okay. years old. Yeah. Were there things that maybe even now that you disagree with that the band, you know, was That's for? I mean, was there anything that you were like maybe went along with for a while, and then were like, no, guys, I don't really feel this way. Or yeah, you know, you know. Um, um, so, you know, just to not go too far down the rabbit hole, but, um, uh, so my, I was forced to grow up very quickly Mm -hmm. and I think that that led me to have a greater understanding of the levity of the politics of anti-flag. Okay. Um, it wasn't just cool to me to say the word fuck, you Mm -hmm. know, like I did that when I was nine because my brother was selling drugs and the cops were trying to arrest him all the time and mm-hmm. he would listen to fuck the police and yep. I was a kid and I thought, okay, I like, I wasn't, you know, there was some level of me that felt cool to play it for my friends because mm-hmm. it said the word fuck and they were all like tee hee hee. But in a lot of ways, even at that young of age, I was like, the cops come to my bus stop and they slow down and they roll down to the window and they look at me and they go, you're Mike's little brother, right? We're going to fucking get him and then drive away. And I thought, That's intense. I hate these fucking pieces of shit and so even that long ago it was i was able to direct use music to direct that frustration Mm -hmm. so you know fast forward to seeing anti-flag you know nine years later Mm -hmm. when uh uh seven eight nine years later um you know their biggest track in the city was fuck police brutality Uh aside from the song die for the government yeah and it's because pittsburgh had the highest police brutality rate in the country at the Mm -hmm. time you know it was now looking back I'm able to see that Anti-Flag was writing specifically about Pittsburgh mm-hmm. it was interesting that a lot of those messages connect outward yeah. um, but it wasn't until I joined the band that we started to go to Europe and we started to extrapolate on our uh, understanding of the world mm-hmm. that the songs became more global sure. they were like 
you know, don't break venues in Pittsburgh. David destroyed the punk scene. Don't, yeah. The cops suck. Yeah. You know, Johnny Gamage is killed by the police. You know, <laughs> like they were directly. You can go and do a, 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 a lineage between what was happening in Pittsburgh and the entire time for the government record. Yeah. So, um, so for me, all of those things made sense. Okay. Um, the biggest thing that I didn't get and didn't understand was the anti-war movement that they were inspired by mm -hmm. um justin's parents were hippies and mm -hmm. against the war and that went into the first iraq war yeah. and i was too young you know like i had the desert storm trading cards because i yeah. thought it was cool yeah. you know, i didn't understand <laughs> that you know people were dying and it was a war for 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 nothing you yeah. know so um that was an education process mm -hmm. for me but you know to come of age and really get my legs as far as a songwriter is concerned and as far as a person who's using punk rock as a vehicle to communicate, um, that all happened to me for the second Iraq war. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the band dynamic kind of changed again. And I think that we got a little bit of longevity and, and, and you know, Justin was prepared. He, he understood what we were doing. Yeah. I was able to learn from that and that helped us I think write some of our most important records at that time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a crazy thing because there are often times where we say like, no, we can't say that, mm -hmm. you know. But nobody is ever like, I feel differently on this issue, and I think that that's why, um, from the end of '98 until now, 2018, yeah, we've been the same four guys, you know. Okay. And so I mean, if if that came up where you or Justin or Pat or Chris said that. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say that. I don't think we should say this. Would, would it be, go to a vote or would it be like, if we're yeah. not all in, we're not all in? It's, it's generally the, 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 the poutiest or the loudest wins. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, um, as what I think with most bands, yeah. you know. Um, but as far as like political agenda discussions, if you can make your point and do so passionately and have a rational reason for wanting to do it more than, oh, we want to be controversial or we want to be cool or we yeah. want to be on this hot button issue. Yeah. Um, uh, generally, we will be like, okay, you sold it to me. We could sell that going forward. Yeah. You know? um, and th there are times, especially with a lot of the lyrics that I write, I tend mm -hmm. to write way more metaphorical than Justin does. Yeah. And so there needs to be like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah. we have to sit down and do that. Yeah. And I think that that comes from, as I've grown politically, I've been far more in, inspired by, um, like the French sixties protest movement and mm -hmm. things like that. That was a little bit more poetic and a little bit more, yeah. um, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, cool. Yeah. Like I, I was into more romantic, like, yeah, like yeah, it, yeah, sexy, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I think that, that, you know, those are mo more than not. Those are the conversations we're having. Like, what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. So that when, you know, Pat sits down and does this interview, he doesn't go, I don't know. You know, yeah. like, like we, we really do try to educate each other on mm -hmm. what the songs are about or what we're feeling when it's going down. Okay. So you guys take, I mean, take a lot of time when you're rehearsing and, or writing a record or, I mean, you just constantly communicating. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. of course, 24 hour news cycle. I mean, you yeah. can't get away from it. No. And we're and in a pretty rough time right now. But. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, we can get into like life lessons that we've, we've taken away. And mm -hmm. We've been more knee jerk reactionary in the past. And yeah. I think right now with what's going on, we're trying to be tactical and we're trying to leave behind things that will be calculated and able to be referenced as um, more solidarity statements mm -hmm. and less, oh, you know, we hate Donald Trump. These are 10 songs about hating yeah. Donald Trump, you know. Yeah. This record exists for the immediacy of Donald Trump and then it's, it's gone. Yeah. Um, but that comes from, you know, being on the other side of a Bush, a Clinton, mm -hmm. a Bush, uh, an Obama. You know, like yep. you learn. You yeah. learn that presidents are the symptoms, not the disease. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that as we get older and better at writing songs and putting out records, we're trying to make sure that we're commenting on, on 
the disease, not just the symptoms of it. And um, I think that like even that life lesson goes all the way back to fuck police brutality, mm-hmm. where we felt powerless in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, it was like punks and shit getting fucked with by the cops, but yeah. we weren't being murdered at the level that black people were being murdered sure. in Pittsburgh at the time. So sure. how do you show solidarity with that? You know, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people reference songs like that and bands like Anti-Flag and think that like we believe that a song like Fuck Police Brutality is accompanied by some type of aha moment mm-hmm. where a person at the show tonight will be like, you know, I came here and thought police brutality was totally okay, but I heard that now. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. That's not the fucking case. The sure. case is like, how do you raise your hand and say like, we see you, mm-hmm. we hurt with you, we have empathy for you. Like, that's how we do it. Yeah. You know, we write these songs, so we get all these people in the room together and, you know, take note of one another that oppose violence against marginalized communities at unprecedented levels like sure that's the message you know it's not just uh, i i hope that i hope that you 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 learned that police brutality was not okay today see you later yeah sure yeah careful on your way home tonight dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's awesome because it you're building people up i mean in a time of a time of and that's why i noticed when i listened to the new record um, at work, had my headphones in, yeah. and I'm working away, working away. We're building a cancer hospital down on the waterfront, and so I have just going and going and going. I listened to it probably three times in a row because, like, Jesus Christ, this is catchy. Like, yeah. the songs were just solid. Like, it mm-hmm. seems like the songwriting has changed in a way that it's going to reach out to more people. It definitely has. I mean, the 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 hooks and everything mm-hmm. stick with you. The record as a whole flows well together, but even lyrically, like. The things you're talking about, it's still it's bringing people together. Yeah. Again, instead of saying like you're saying, "Fuck this, fuck this." Yeah. You could get in that room tonight and piss everybody on, get everyone pissed off at yeah. everything, or you could educate them a little bit and and have them leave with a smile. Yeah. But thinking differently. Well, we met, we met Billy Bragg when we were kids, uh-huh. and, and he said, you know, we were like, "Oh yeah, we have a punk rock band," and he's like, "Oh cool, very cool." Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna listen to it. <laughs> he's just like, I'll, but I'll tell you something. Uh, you catch more flies with honey. Yeah. And then he disappeared into the sunset. You know? <laughs> and, and you know what he was saying was write a great song because yeah. when you have a great song, people will listen to what the hell you're talking about. Exactly. And I think that if you follow the lineage of the band, you know, you play 200 shows a year for 20 years. We gotta figure some shit out, yeah. and I think that that's where we're at, where we just understand what we want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you know, we were having conversations before we started rolling about bands and artists that get in that world where they need a single or they need, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're comfortable with who we are, and we're not mm-hmm. chasing. So we're just trying to write the best version of, you know, die for the government. You know, like yeah. like like it's the same idea sure we're just better at it now we it's not as clunky it's not as forced Mm -hmm. um uh it tends to be a little more thought out and 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 we want to make those moments where the message is important um sonically feel important as well and uh i i you know i hope that i hope that people you know listen to it feel energized and you know put on their close and go out and face their day because that's really hard for people to do it's hard for us to do yeah um and if we didn't have these songs and these shows and this community i don't know how i'd be doing it you know right now uh, um it it feels as if the tangible losses are greater than the tangible victories Mm -hmm. in 2018 so that's a um that screams to me that we need to take some solace and find some type of community and um really you know more than anything you know when Donald Trump was elected, I'm sure you felt it and you saw it. People in the Muslim community, people in the transgender community, the gay uh, community, women as a whole, mm-hmm. they were afraid. Yeah. And so how do four straight white guys in a punk rock band show solidarity? You know what I mean? We yeah. only have one way to do that, and that's to hold these events and you know try to bring people along with us so that we can communicate that empathy yeah. and that solidarity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's it's just... It's amazing to see how far you guys have come. I mean, the first time I think I saw you guys live was with Thrice back at the B Complex. Oh yeah, it would have been like 2000. Uh, it was right after we moved down here two, in yeah. 2000. So like we, it was one of the first shows we went to, and we're like, holy shit, Anaplex coming. We went, yeah. Those are, those were that's heavy another shows. thing I wanted to talk about because being in a band that's so out front that way, on paper, 
Yeah. Like when you get to know the band, the music, you know it's not anything like it looks like as yeah. far as to like my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's like, what the what the fuck is, <laughs> why is that flag upside down on your shirt? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, no, dad, it's cool. Like, yeah. it, it, they don't hate the troops. Like, yeah. They don't hate, he's like, well, why would they turn it upside down then? And yeah. it's just like, then you find yourself trying to explain it to your folks, but trying to explain it to someone that doesn't, that doesn't understand what you guys are about and just sees the album cover or yeah. sees a t-shirt David Cross has that joke about the flags after yeah. 9-11 yeah. Ah, yeah. fucking shove them up your ass shove flags are yeah, here yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great 9-11 <laughs> yes it is post 9-11 during 9-11 like when 9-11 hit yeah did you guys kind of have an oh shit moment like oh my god what's gonna happen <laughs> or was it that because that was a lot earlier at that time I mean it wasn't yeah where you are now where you're comfortable with where you are you were still figuring yourselves out you've made this statement how do we get through yeah. this it's really funny because um, I, I don't know if it's because like Stray are um, straight from the path we're on uh-huh. tour with they kind of grew up on our records uh-huh. so I've been having a lot of these conversations because okay. I'd be like tell me what it was like when this happened <laughs> <laughs> war stories literally yeah, yeah. yeah. and um one of the things that's really interesting is they just released a track and it was, um, you know, confronting the alt-right movement in America. Uh-huh. And it got picked up by Breitbart and it got picked up by 4chan and all of the alt-right, you know, forums and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got, you know, death threats via Twitter and yada, yada, yada. And, and I was kind of talking to them because it was after we had booked this tour and we knew yeah. we were... They were just kind of reaching out, looking for advice, and and I I felt bad for them because they were going through something like really heavy and unprecedented in their life, um, and so then you know fast forward to giving them the war stories and talking about yeah. what it was like to be an anti-flight post 9/11, sure, and um, or on September 12th, you know, and um, they Tom from Stray turned to me and he was like. Now I feel bad for texting you at three in the morning because someone wrote something bad about me on the internet. Like <laughs> your life was very scary, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, you know, we those shows, we some of those shows, we Florida, we were getting police escorts out because people wanted to kill us. You know, um, kids put in mouth guards and were knocking out everyone who had anti-flag shirts on in the crowd, and um, it was it was insane. You know, there was a lot of violence that surrounded. Yeah. Um, the statement um every you know the two big carriers of our records at the time were hot topic and Uh best buy they returned every piece of merch that they had um we were put on a band from radio list even though we had never had a song on the radio and it was really cute because it would be like uh, (laughs) um you know x band and a song that probably has a lyric about like and the building fa- fell you know or yeah. something like that and so that it would be like that specific song is banned but right at the top in the A's anti-flag every song <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and I was just like okay well that's something yeah. and um you know uh, um Head who's over there to, to to sitting at another table he his dad who's a fan of the band uh-huh. you know um our parents didn't really come to the shows. When yeah, we were like, they didn't understand it. My mom still will tell me to go to college if, I, <laughs> if she came in the room right now. Um, but his dad, who was at every Pittsburgh show we ever played, was saying, "You got to change your band name." Um, uh, people were writing us letters in the punk. People that we were friends with in the punk scene for for years, writing us letters saying, "You have to change your band name. You have to support the president." We we can't uh, we can't have divisive politics at this time we need to come together and all we were saying was that there was a thing called the Project New American Century there was this belief that if a Pearl Harbor-esque event happened again uh, on U.S. soil that they could go into the Middle East and build these pipelines Mm -hmm. let's just see what happens let's not allow this person who on September 10th we were fighting for hanging chads and discounted votes in Florida, and he was 600 votes away from not being the president. Mm-hmm. And then on September 12th, he had taken uh, David Cross's genius pills. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. You know, and 
and you know all we wanted to do was say like let's not let's not use violence as our first result to combat violence yeah and that was an unacceptable answer to a lot of people mm -hmm. and um we get it. People were hurt and people were afraid and uh, we'll never tell anyone that they were wrong. You know, um, I saw like even like Michael Moore, um, who kind of became like a, an ally at that time because uh -huh. there wasn't many of us who were like on the front lines of, of, of remaining anti-war and, 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 yeah. and, and, and uh, in the face of ter domestic terrorism and, and international terrorism. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, he said something like, you know, once the weapons of mass destruction thing turned out to be false, yeah. he said, I didn't want to be right, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's the same way that we felt through it all. Like, no one's claiming to be Nostradamus. It's just, why is violence the solution for violence every time? Mm -hmm. And how do we derail us from this trajectory that we seem to be? Uh, on every single moment that it happens. So, um, yeah, it was a it was a crazy crazy time, and that tour was a real um, eye opening moment for the band that we had made the right decisions. Mm -hmm. um, more than that, we put out a song called Nine One for Peace. Yep, I remember we that. One. Did it for free on the internet, and this was like when you know our servers crashed like that was a thing that could happen. yeah yeah <laughs> we had we got like a ten thousand dollar bandwidth bill from like giving a song away for free on the internet and we were like what are we how are we gonna pay this you know and yeah. it's, it's like a uh, um yeah those are things that you don't think about sure. happening but people were looking for that message mm -hmm. and it became abundantly clear to us that not everyone believed that george bush had taken the genius pills yeah. not everyone was ready to nuke them yeah. Um, uh, and, and, you know, we were going to the studio that we recorded uh, Mobilize and 911 for Peace mm -hmm. in every day passing a billboard that had been spray painted over just Nukem George. And like, that's what you saw. And that was Jesus. That was Christ. Pittsburgh's reaction to it. And yeah. um, here we were trying to say, let's not let's not uh, let's not go down that road. And yeah, um, subsequently, you know, again, those that were involved in that anti-war movement were right. Um, people want to talk about the trajectory of um, Donald Trump versus the trajectory of George W. Bush and you know some people will say like why isn't there a rock against Trump already why is there you know and my thing is that took a long time mm -hmm. people don't remember that that was 2001 and it wasn't until 2000 and late 2003 yeah. that the ramp up to that Iraq war became as vigilant as it became. I mean, that mm -hmm. was two plus years. So if, if anything, we're on a greater pace, you look at the women's March day one and year one, like, yeah. like folks are pissed and they're in the streets right away. Like I would, I would call us ahead of schedule as far as combating evil via the white house. But, um, I would also say that let's allow that history to be a lesson to us and, um, you know, recognize that uh, because Donald Trump is terrible at Twitter and offending the world with uh -huh. his racism, um, that doesn't excuse the million plus people that George W. Bush killed. Yeah. Um, so let's not applaud him when he's showing his paintings on TV to Jimmy yeah. Fallon or whatever the fuck exactly. he's doing, you know, like... Um, I think that we need to remind ourselves of these atrocities over and over again as to um, learn lessons from them and try our best not to be a, a part of repeating them. Yeah. Okay. And I, I mean, you guys... What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch A Tap I Can't Turn Off out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. 
Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Pure Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. 
So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. I can only imagine what you were feeling like back then, but throughout your whole career dealing with issues that scare people i mean people are afraid and they react like you're saying they're yeah. they're scared and they reach out to you and they say you know you guys got to change this you got to change that yeah do you carry that weight with you every day knowing that i mean what you do affects people to that degree i mean you have such a strong fan base yeah that you know i'm sure you lose some from time to time maybe something offends them and they write you and say hey, i can't listen to your records anymore because of this does that affect you as much as I would think it would affect you from, from how much you well, guys are into your there, fans. There's an ebb and flow of it. And again, I think that, that the luxury of time mm-hmm. that we have has provided us with the ability to understand that some of those reactions change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the internet is a beautiful thing and it allows people to communicate with us pretty regularly and yeah. freely. And um, we've met a lot of people who were introduced to politics via the band in the early aughts yeah. and um, probably at our height. Um, and, you know, it definitely had to do with the fashion of disliking George W. Bush mm-hmm. that brought people into politics and they were looking for music that um, identified with that politics and that's yeah. where Anti-Flag and Rise Against and Against Me yeah. came in. You know? No effects, the no, Not My yeah, President yeah, shirts. Yeah, and of stuff course, like yeah. That. yeah. So, um, you know, we're well aware that this is fashion and it comes mm-hmm. in in a fashion, but I will tell you that it's impactful to be on the right side of history with your fucking fashion. And it, <laughs> it frustrates me when people get mad at folks who come into the scene because, you know, well, we hate Donald Trump now. Yeah. You know, we're going to listen to punk rock records. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are we being divisive of these people? It's, you know... Um, it's not that bad presidents make good punk rock music. It's that bad presidents make good punk rock music accessible and findable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it turns the light are on. Looking, you know. Yeah. Uh, that has way more to do with it than than the opposite. You know. Yeah. So I think that that um, I don't I don't see that as a bad thing at all. I I, mm. I welcome any and everyone. And great examples of that are as we have you know gotten older we've been doing this tour we did a tour with real big fish last winter yep. and on those tours where we play especially with like real big fish and less than jake and some of them older more established or nostalgia acts yeah for, for lack of a better term um people come out of the woodwork and they're like hey i haven't been to a show in 10 years or whatever here i am mm-hmm. um i got involved in politics because of your band and now i'm you know, we met one kid who's a fucking federal judge in um, Wisconsin. Uh-huh. You know, you meet okay. you meet kids who now work for the ACLU, mm-hmm. social workers, yep. and that is people who got introduced to politics via punk rock, and they maybe dropped out. You know, they went to school, they did whatever. Yeah. But that idealism and this belief that we care about more than just ourselves, sure, that had staying power. And so they might not listen to our records, but they do other great things. Yeah. And um, they're in the system now. Yeah. Like woven into it. And, and to me, there's there's those are victories. Yeah. And so, um, I, I you know I can't uh, I can't carry that weight that you speak of uh, because it hurts too much. Mm-hmm. And and I definitely did like you know when we signed to Fat for the first record and we put out Underground Network, I thought it was over. I thought it was like. No effects, lag wagon, anti flag, yep. no use for name, psh, yep. peace. <laughs> and uh-huh. then we put the record out and no one gave a shit. And you're like, oh man, it doesn't work that way. Like, you have to try, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was a lesson for the major label that we later signed to. Mm-hmm. Because you signed to a bigger label doesn't mean anyone's going to fucking care what you do. Exactly. So do what you believe in. Yeah. And, uh, and 
make sure that you don't use an excuse. And so in that com in those conversations, it was never like we're signing to label X to get our message out. Mm -hmm. I understand why people would want to say that. Yeah, you're going to get more marketing dollars. Yeah, you're going to get a bigger yeah. machine behind you. But it doesn't mean anyone's going to listen. Sure. So you need to say we're signing this deal because it's what's best for us at the time. Yeah. And um, ultimately it was. You know, we got a lot of money to give to nonprofits. We were able to start our own 501c3 to um, uh, do two nonprofit organizations ourselves. One of which changed a piece of legislation in uh, the government that gave military recruiters, high school kids. Um, uh, uh, information, you know, like that's a huge thing we got. Yeah. It, if Sony didn't give us the money to start that thing, sure. we wouldn't have done it, you know. But it's a, it's a, it's a give and take, and there are compromises through life that you make. Mm -hmm. But I certainly don't believe that, you know, anyone who sells their art as a medium um, to to inspire people or to inspire themselves to continue fighting. I don't think the same rules apply to you uh, as if you lived in a hut and made your own fucking food. Like, yeah. I, I just like we're already, you know, you bought a CD. Okay, Sony owns the CD technology. Like, we're be we're slicing up this pie of yeah. um, capitalism into these, you know, unatta unattainable uh, ideals. So, yeah. um, people might not like it, and that's cool. And there are a lot of bands out there that that do it a different way than us. But mm -hmm. this is the way that we've found most effective and um, that we've been able to survive long enough to continue to do it. We have a lot of friends who um, either their bands got really big and they couldn't deal with when the music industry went away or yeah. either their bands maintained and they couldn't survive because um, uh, they were unwilling to shift the way they did their, their quote-unquote business. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason we're still here is we live in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, we never went to New York or L.A. and tried to make it. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, uh, you weren't and, chasing after it like yeah, a lot of people are. Yeah. And, and ultimately, you know, we, we're okay with being in a van. We're okay with being in a bus. We're mm -hmm. okay with, you know, whatever, whatever makes the thing happen and go, that's what we're going to do. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of life lessons in, in all of that. And, again, we have the luxury of time of being in a band now for almost 25 years that, not a lot of people get, you know, and yeah. uh, um, this is my 20th year of being in this band. That's you know? insane. I've been in it for over half of my life. Like, yeah, that's a crazy thing to have happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said you, 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 I mean, jumping back, you said you had to grow up really fast. Being in a, a turbulent situation like that, which is obviously was a turbulent situation to, to, to say that. Yeah. Um, do you think that set you up for this kind of a lifestyle as far, or do you think it may have hindered it even. yeah I think that nothing um, nothing is 100% um, comparable but and, and and what I'll say is that I've like you know um, I've had failed relationships mm -hmm. because I use this kind of perspective method for a lot of things because okay. you know like I guess in the interest of not being vague. Um, so my father is a convicted child molester. He molested my sister. And, oh my God. Um, um, my mom found out, uh -huh. and obviously kicked him out of the house. And I was six years old when this happened. And I, I didn't understand why he left and, and no one told me. You yeah. Know, they kind yeah. Of shielded me from it. But he was gone. And then I was my brother and my sister, um, you know, kind of raised me as my mom had to work a lot to allow us to stay in the same house and yeah. live the same lifestyle we yep. had. And, um, and then, you know, my brother is kind of a bit broken and he has his run-ins with the law and I get, kind of get learn this distrust of authority because of that. And yeah. um, then subsequently I find out about my father as uh -huh. I get older, my, you know, or like 10, 12 years old. I, I um, and the reason I find out is because he wasn't convicted in the case with my sister, but he later does it again, um, molests another child. And um, because of that, we have a thing called Megan's Law okay. in Pennsylvania. Uh, so he got a mandatory sentence because uh -huh. of uh, being suspe suspected twice. So through that, you know, like 
weird shit happens where you have to visit your dad in jail because you want to play ice hockey and your grandma won't give you money for <laughs> the season fees unless you yeah. go to the, you know, it's all, and so you're doing this stuff at 10 and 11 and 12 years old and yeah. it seems insane. And so when I was, um, you know, would have these things happen in my life with relationships and mm -hmm. someone would say like, man, this is really hard. And I would be like, well, there are these people that go through these things. Like, what we're doing isn't hard. Yeah. Like, let's just keep going. Yeah. And I now know that that is wrong to do to people. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 not that doesn't work for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, for me, when this life gets difficult, yeah, it pales in comparison to hardships that I've faced in my life. Whether it's yeah. You know, the shit with my dad, the shit with my brother, the, mm -hmm. you know, my sister being murdered later on in life. Like these things all have happened. Um, and I am able to recognize what is a real situation and what is, uh, well, we're kind of just like, we're worried about some kids not coming to our shows anymore. Like, yeah, I don't fucking care. Yeah. <laughs> like. That doesn't matter to me. I'm going to keep my head down and keep doing the art and the things that make me feel whole and human. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that connects with people. And um, we've been fortunate that it does connect with a lot of people. Sometimes we put out records and art and music and play shows and they don't connect with people. And yeah. People don't come out. So those things are out of my control. The only thing I control is my mental attitude going into them. Yeah. And um, and making sure that, you know, I allow myself to you know, be bummed out when it's a situation that merits it, but uh -huh. also um, have the strength to recognize that uh, a lot of these things are trivial in yeah. our lives. And whether or not anyone buys our record or not mm -hmm. doesn't really fucking matter. Sure. <laughs> There's a lot of people who are going through a lot of real shit. And, and uh, I want to make sure that with the art that I create, that there is some connection to those people. Yeah. That they, they feel an empathy or um, some type of solace. That, that's insane. Yeah, it's All, insane. I mean, and I'm very sorry about your sister. No, and no, no. I've, yeah. We, it seems like almost you have a lot in common with these young men that go to war and come back and then try to reacclimate to civilian life. You yeah. know, to where they see these atrocities. Maybe it didn't happen to them, but what they saw mm -hmm. makes them look at every that perspective you're talking mm -hmm. about. Makes them look at everything differently. Yeah. You know, and the fact that that you're doing what you're doing and and you're doing what makes you happy, and you know, it's just it's it's admirable that you. I mean, people that go through things like that, I admire they even get up in the morning for yeah. one. But to go out and and have the 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 strength to say how they feel and I mean what you guys are doing is is intense I, yeah. mean, to, I mean anyone can be in a band anyone can be in a band of any level but there's not a lot of people out there that stand out like that that you know you can look at a career and say Jesus Christ they said yeah. I know what you're feeling this year I know what you're feeling yeah. this year you know? well what, what I'll say is that for a long time um, I believe that the, the way anti-flag worked was we saw a thing we reacted to it. Mm -hmm. We commented on it. Our job was essentially that of a journalist. I later learned, and I, I primarily learned this after the death of my sister, mm -hmm. that we're allowed to interject ourselves into that commentary mm -hmm. because we're not journalists. We are artists. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it feels pompous and egotistical to say that, but... I do believe that what we're leaving behind is, is valuable art. Yeah. And um, what I learned once I began to do that, and one of the reasons why, you know, with a complete stranger, I'm comfortable talking about all these things. Mm -hmm. People will hear this and may have gone through similar things. And now we can share our stories. Yeah. Versus before... I was carrying all that around by myself. And so after my sister died, we, we, you know, the only thing I knew how to do was the thing I learned in punk rock. Mm -hmm. When something bad happened, what do you do? You put on a benefit show, you put on a benefit record, you, do, you know. Yep. So you get uh, to work. You get to work. And 
essentially it was okay my niece and my nephew now you know my uh, my nephew lost his mom my ne- my niece lost her mom and dad let's put out a record let's give money to them mm-hmm. let's give money to the organization to help my family deal with this it's called the CVVC the Center for Victims of Violent Crime yep and it was like get to work mm-hmm. like that's how I deal with this we work you yeah. know and um, then we went on tour and after the show there would be a couple kids waiting and one would say hey I, I lost my dad or my brother or yeah. my, you know nephew or my you know cousin or my whatever yeah and I didn't know that we could keep going thanks yeah and then you go oh shit like that has a further reach than just saying this is the Project Root American Century. It's a document that was written. Dick Cheney's a piece of shit. <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, educate you. Okay, good. Yeah. Now go and be mad about that. You know, yeah. now that there's some real human shit that's involved, yeah. people can come and say, like, this is why I feel this way. You know, I'm a little bit broken. And that yeah. makes me sad when I see Michael Brown's family in the courtroom. And yeah. That's why I'm connected to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not just mad because the police murder um, with no repercussion. I'm mad because I know what it's like to sit in a courtroom and watch a murder trial go down and what a family goes through. Yeah. To, to not have any semblance of justice must break their heart, and it breaks my heart. Yeah. So I went through that. Yeah. You know? um, so that's where... That's where empathy is like a real powerful thing and yeah. why that's kind of, uh, you know, if you, you look at like the last two records primarily of yeah. our, that, that's the central focus because that's been my, you know, I'm 32 mm-hmm. when we started the last one, 35 now. Yeah. That's the, the thing that moved the needle for me. Yeah. Know? Like that was... That's the message I want to share is this message of empathy. And as you're saying all this, it's the similarities between you and I are crazy. I I don't talk about a lot of my stuff on the show. Yeah. But so my brother was murdered. I didn't know I had a brother until I was 17. My dad had another marriage. My mom didn't allow him to tell us about. So I didn't get to have that relationship with him. I have two sisters. One committed suicide uh, after being molested by the grandfather. Wow. Who, at my brother's funeral, were sitting there. And down the aisle, my dad says, that's the son of a bitch that molested my kids. Mm -hmm. He's sitting at the funeral in the row with us. We're looking at the grave that holds both now. Her, she was 16. He was was murdered um, up in Seattle. They found him in Elliott Bay. Uh, and I just looked at my dad, and at that moment, like, everything was, like, hitting yeah. me hard and harder. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he got up in the morning losing yeah. two children, you know? But also I felt robbed because I didn't have that relationship with them. Yours was so much more intimidating. You, you knew your sister. You had a life with your sister. But these similarities, no. being total strangers... Yeah. As you're saying this, I'm just in my head. I'm just like, what is going on? Because yeah. it's, it's so similar. But you don't know what someone else is going through. And that, I mean, that's yeah. why, you know, treating people with respect and, I, and empathy, I, like I you're know saying. That, I know that feeling of, you know, we grow up punk and we're pacifists yeah. and we're all these things. Yeah. And, you know, when, when you're sitting there and there's this guy right over there and all you can think yeah. of is like, well, let's just kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like he stole from us. I think let's that's what I said. Him. Like, why is he still yeah, alive? Right. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, it's the same thing where when my sister's trial was happening, there was a confession tape and all of these things. And the folks that did the work did a poor job. And the kid. And they were sitting there in the courtroom with oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus fucking and, Christ. And the kid walked. You know? What? Yeah, yeah. Kid walked, and um, it was a reasonable doubt trial and it was all fucked up from uh, um, uh, the prosecution's side for sure and I saw the failures of the American justice system you know and and, and I had this you know the kid was 18 years old and it was over you know probably $50 in drugs and you know 
Useless, dude. Useless. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, my entire life I was told that this kid's young and Mm -hmm. he's made a mistake and we need to be fair to him because he should shouldn't lose his life for making a mistake. Same time I'm looking at my mom and she's falling apart. Yeah. You know, her daughter's gone and she feels responsible for the path that she sent her daughter down because she chose to marry the guy who, you know, and yeah, and, and, yeah. and you're like, oh, fuck, this is my uncle said, give him the chair. And I don't believe in the death penalty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you go through there's an insane amount of um, soul searching that happens when these things happen. But I do find this is going back to what you're saying, that the commonality that we share as humans is far greater than our differences. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, people need to have these discussions to feel safe enough to have their own. Yeah. And um, so I, I, as painful as it is and as much as it hurts to do so, I, I, I try to, when I feel comfortable enough to do so, I try to get it out there and yeah. at least let people know that if, if you know, they feel alone, they're not. Yeah. You know? And if you feel alone in that scenario... I'm sitting here as a guy from the other half of the world. I don't know how we got to Anchorage, but we did. (laughs) And I've gone through similar things. um, And, uh, you know, those things go with you forever. And um, I think that that's kind of the beautiful thing about our lives. And Mm -hmm. that reflects back into being in a band and making records. Um, I've learned that we do have a lasting effect. Yeah. And... um, there's a lot of power in that. So let's yeah. make sure we leave behind good, lasting things. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, that's what I mean. That I, I don't know where to go from here with that. No, I mean, it'd be cheesy to go into, <laughs> hey, you know, Benji Madden produced something. You're yeah, like, hey, bitch, sorry about your, yeah. yeah. But and I really. Benji's a great guy. He managed us, and then um, we recorded it in their studio, and he was there all the time. And I was like, you know that you're producing this record right yeah. and we're socialists so we give him a credit that's that story that's how it goes <laughs> that, that one's easy and I found out he's married to Cameron Diaz yeah, so there, yeah. That's we, I, did, I, was like, I had breakfast in their kitchen I hope to see her I didn't I haven't met okay. her yet. Yeah. man well Chris dude I really appreciate the time I know you got a lot going on and, and uh, I really this felt like a really special conversation to me and, and they all do but I feel like I take something from every one of them, and I think uh, I get emails all the time, people that responding to specific things that touch yeah, them, or yeah. I stopped this because so-and-so said this, and yeah. that's what I needed to hear, you know. And Well, and, this uh, is the new world, and um, I'm, I've done now, um, you're the third podcast interview I've done. Total? Uh, total. Um, really? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I've been a part of them, where it's uh-huh. like, but never the whole sit down and do the 40, 50 minute sure, conversation. Sure, sure, sure. And, um, you know, I, I did Shane uh, from Silverstein. Oh, yeah, we're on the same network. Oh, cool. And, yeah, and Jabberjaw. I, I did um, Damien's. Uh, uh, Turned Out Punk. Yeah, and uh, now this. And they all feel like therapy sessions to me. And um, you I, got great. the most dirt out of all of <laughs> But that's not because, my intention at no, all. But, but it's, it, it has to do with comfortability and. Um, yeah. yeah, so thanks for, for allowing it to happen. and, and Absolutely. And, uh, Thank you for the time. I yeah, know, I mean, course. sitting down for 50 minutes on tour is almost impossible yeah. if you're not, in the, you know, hey, you know, here's 20 minutes here, here's a 10-minute conversation on YouTube yeah. out in front of the venue, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, I mean, I, I value the time. Cool. And it's, I mean, because the million other things you could be doing. And yeah, weed's awesome, legal so. here, man. Let's get out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Chris. Well, thanks a lot, man. Thanks yeah, for coming thank on the you. show. Thank you. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chris number two from Anti-Flag. We were at the little bar at the Hawthorne Theater there. Uh, There's a little bit of background noise, nothing too bad. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I know we went to some deep places there and some some exposed a little bit of private information. But at the same time, I think it's valuable for people to hear it and people out there that have gone through the same things. And what, like I said in the beginning, what a fantastic attitude Chris has for the stuff he's gone through. He is just an absolute fun guy to be around i mean we'd never met before we've been i'm sure we've been on bills together before but meeting for the first time and five minutes later jumping into this interview it felt like you know we'd known each other quite a while 
So um, I definitely, definitely would love to hear feedback from you guys on, on uh, you know, if you're going through the same things or, or anything like that. I absolutely love to, to hear back from you guys. But thanks again to Chris, number two. Thanks to Emily and uh, the rest of the band for being cool with keeping Chris away for almost an hour. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Without you guys, there's no show. So, you know, that just goes out to the show just goes out to the middle of nowhere and no one hears it. So uh, appreciate having you guys back week after week. We got more great content coming up for you and uh, things are ramping up for the year. So getting back into the swing of things, I know you guys are too. So definitely keep coming back. Check out peerpleasurepodcast.com. Check out Jabberjaw Media. Uh, check out rockabilia.com and check out Stumptown Coffee. A great set of sponsors and uh, just a real family we've got going here. So Once again, thank you for listening, and as always, we'll see you on the radio. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.